Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hi, I'm Bex. And I'm Laura. And we are the worst girl gang ever. We're proudly sponsored by our friends at Mercy Mama. If you're looking for a special sentimental piece for yourself, then look no further. They're a personalised jewellery brand and everything they do is hand engraved, making the perfect keepsake for you or a loved one. What's so special about their pieces is that you can actually customise them with any metal colour, adding birthstones and gemstones and finish off with an engraving of meaningful names, dates or messages. I absolutely love my bracelet from Mercy Mama. It's got my children's initials on. And we know from experience how special this keepsake jewellery is, don't we? Yeah, we do. I've got a rose gold necklace with initials on the front and a little message that's on the back that no one else can see, but I know it's there. It's quite special. Oh, it's so special. And the, the great thing is that they've offered us a 15% discount for all our listeners using Girl Gang 15 when you shop online. And the website is www.mercymamonboutique.com. If you can't spell that, don't worry. We'll stick it in the podcast description. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of The Worst Girl Gang Ever. This is a special episode because we are, we've got a live audience, albeit hidden, um, and in their PJs or in the bath, whatever they're up to, but they are listening along live. And we'll be popping this episode into our exclusive members portal, the Warrior Hub. And then if you're listening to this on your usual podcasting platforms, um, this was a few months ago. That makes sense. Today, yes, we are joined by Alison Hall, who is our The Worst Girl Gang Ever fertility nutritionist. Welcome, Alison. Guru. Oh, thank you. Amazing hair. Amazing hair tonight. I like this. Thank you. (laughs) Mermaid hair is what I'm saying. Welcome, Alison. Thank you so much for joining us. It's great to have you here because um, we've we've spoken to you a lot and, and, um, you know, dealt with you a lot with creating our courses. But it's it's really nice to have you here to have a chat about about what you do, but also why you do it. So do you want to start us from uh, from the, the very, very beginning? beginning. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. All right. So the very beginning was yeah. I wasn't always a nutritionist. So okay. I spent my 20s and early 30s working in London as a television, a television producer. 
So mm-hmm. I did dramas and I did arts documentaries and it was brilliant, mm-hmm. but I really burnt the candle at both ends. And it was one of those jobs. And the reason I loved it was it was so sort of all consuming. And that was what I loved about it. But that was also my downfall, really, because by, I'd say, my early 30s, I was pretty burnt out. Um, and I was I kept going in that way that you do, but I had really bad insomnia. My cycle was all over the place. Um, I was probably pretty irrational and unpleasant to be around a lot of the time. Um, and I was just exhausted the whole time. But it wasn't until we started trying for a baby ourselves that I realized that something was was a bit wrong. Yeah. And we had a late miscarriage. Um, I mean, it was one of those, it, you know, we actually, we were really lucky. We got pregnant quite quickly mm. um, and got to the 12 week scan thinking, tra la 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 la, this is all wonderful. And then sort of the heavens opened as it were. And then we went through this process of being ricocheted around various doctors and it was sort of, Oh, something's not great but I think you're okay. We'll just come back in a week. Oh no, not good. And, and this went on for about seven or eight weeks cool. and wow. it's just horrible. And so, you know, we did the CVS and, and so we got through that barrier and then we did the amnia, we got through that barrier. And every single time we had a scan, it was like, Oh, and Ugh. it was awful. It was horrible. And, um, and we got to about, oh gosh, what was it? It was 21 weeks. And we went in for another scan at that point and they'd sort of taken every, uh, every ounce of blood, as far as I was concerned, out of me by this point. Yeah. I'd been prodded all over the place. And then finally we were told that um, he hadn't made it. And that was horrific. Yeah. It was really, really horrific. And in a way, the, you know, although I'd been sort of gearing myself up for it, it was, it had been such an exhausting ride up until then. It was, it, it really, it, it sort of, it shattered us both. Um, and then it took a long time to recover from this. And what I found was, again, I was being referred to various different doctors and I was desperately trying to find out what the hell had happened. And, you know, the, the care that I was under at the local hospital were unbelievably unsympathetic or supportive yeah. that way that we've all heard about um and so I and I started looking elsewhere and I started reading about things and I just felt that I had no control over anything and I really felt this was the end of the world for me at the time um yeah, I, I think, think a lot of our ladies would feel exactly exactly the same there it's you, everything is in their hands and yeah. and you, you do feel like you have no control don't you yeah. But also, not just that, but by the time you've arrived at this place, you've had seven weeks, as you say, so nearly two months of ricocheting off expert to expert. I mean, surely during that time, your sleeping was horrendous and your actual day to day life, you presumably had to go to work in that time. Yeah. And I had to go to work and I, I was one of those people. And I think I probably still would be just because it's me. I didn't want to tell anyone I was pregnant. So it was literally me, my partner, my mum, and my best friend. And then at 12 weeks, I had to tell my boss mm. because it, things were clearly not as they should be. And then it was that thing of, you know, 
I didn't really particularly show, but I was really aware of it. So I was trying to sort of, I was just hiding everything the whole time, which again, was not remotely helpful from a sort of mental health perspective or just trying to to acknowledge and come to terms with what was going on. Mm. Um, So that was, you know, that was all really, really difficult. But then eventually I found, and what happened, what part of the aftermath was unbelievable ongoing pelvic pain. Um, And... Again, so then I started to be referred, then I was referred to oncology. Um, and that was just like another whole, you know, that messed my head up even more, really. Um, and then eventually I found this brilliant doctor who specialized in pelvic pain, uh, was a gynecologist, and he kind of knew his stuff. And what was brilliant was he was really, really, um, he was incredibly into a more holistic approach as well. So he very much took conventional medicine. And it was really important at that point that I was being held by doctors who could support me and give me although they weren't giving me much support but you know who were there to give me that medical assistance Mm -hmm. but I wanted someone who was going to actually be looking at the bigger picture and that's precisely what this doctor did and you know he taught you know he he sort of gave me a few nuggets about nutrition and he'd written a book so I went away and read the book and that was really interesting to me. And suddenly I began to feel that I could do something about this to begin to make myself feel better. And being a bit of a control freak, um, it made a massive difference because suddenly I wasn't sort of just sort of whirling around or being pushed from pillar to post. I felt like I could put one step in front of another again. Yeah. And that made a massive, massive difference. So that was sort of my the beginning of that kind of road to recovery for me. Um, we went on the following year. I had my first little girl, which was great. And then, but again, that was a really difficult pregnancy. And again, got to the 12 week scan and it was, oh, you know, this is all looking terrible. And no, again, yeah, I've had this with every single pregnancy I've had. I've got three girls now, but with every single pregnancy, we got to the 12 week scan and we were told it was all not good. Um, And then I also had a number of subsequent losses as well between numbers one and number two of my girls. Um, and now I understand a little bit more about it. And now I'm beginning to, you know, and now I, I've worked out what, what was going on. I mean, the doctors couldn't help me, but, you know, I did were a lot of reading. Were you still in the same job at the time when you had the... the I was, the yeah, I worked, I worked in television through my first two. And oh. then I, I just, I, I needed to do something else. I needed, A, I wanted to be at home a little bit more. Um, And I wanted, you know, I felt I'd fought so hard for these girls. I I wanted to be more more present. And I did take a fair bit of time off after the first, after Lilibet, who's my oldest, who incidentally, Lilibet means God's promise in Mm. Welsh. And that was why we named her that. It had nothing to do with William and Harry. (laughs) No, Harry and Meghan. Oh, yeah. Anyway, nothing to do with that. It was a long time previously. Um, but yes, yeah, so Lilibet came along and I be, because I'd begun to be reading about all of this stuff, it became more interesting. And I decided that I wanted, I wanted to just dive in deep. So I gave up my job and I retrained for four years. And then that was me. And again, even after all of that time, I didn't want to go into fertility particularly. And the reason I didn't want to do that was because A, I was told at college, it was it's really high stakes. You don't want to touch it. It's really difficult. Everyone's really fragile. It's, you know, it's really specialized work. And also I just thought it was going to be too difficult for me. A bit close to home. 
bit close Mm -hmm. but actually they were the clients that I got and every time I worked with another couple um, or another uh, you know solo who was going through that journey I just sort of you know we had we know we always had a lovely connection and I really felt that this was what I wanted to do and if I could stop some of the people out there going through what I what we went through and if there was some because I just had felt there was nowhere to turn previously mm. and that's what I genuinely believe that nutritional therapy can do because it can bridge those two worlds I'm not a doctor but I work alongside doctors yeah. so for me it's really important that nutritional therapy when it's done properly is not regarded as an alternative therapy, it's complementary. So Mm -hmm. by that, I mean, I will work alongside my clients, doctors, their GPs, their consultants, I will refer on to consultants. And um, the more I've worked in this field, the more I've worked out that there are certain consultants who are really brilliant and really will, will hold a couple for particular things. So if, you know, if you're someone who's suffered with endo, then there's a particular person I go to. If we're talking male factor, there is the great Jonathan Ramsey, who I refer a lot of my clients to. And, and so I've now got some really lovely connections with some of these incredible, incredible medical professionals who also understand and value this side of the work as well. Yeah, I guess they just don't have the time to invest in in that side of the work. So, you know, the science is there, they believe in it, but that's just, they, they've got a half an hour appointment, it's got to be focused, right? Absolutely. And also there are a hell of a lot of doctors who just don't know about it because you get literally, I mean, I can't remember how many hours of nutritional training you get at medical school, but it's not many in the single figures. So um, a lot of them really genuinely don't know about this stuff. And we spent four years doing this. Mm. That's all I did all day, every day. And I continue to do that. So even now I devote one day a week to research and reading papers and be it a springboard from a particular client I've got. And I want to look at, I don't know, whatever it might be, PCOS, what the latest you know research is, or there's been a hell of a lot about male factor over the last year or so, you know, whatever it might be, the vaginal microbiome, which is another huge one. Um, and so I will spend a day a week researching. That's and actually, I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. I guess there's so many, because the world is constantly changing as well. Mm. There's so much new stuff. Like I know we talked about your toxin, um, the toxin information that's in mm. in the course oh, yeah. and that must have come on so much since even you you train so how do you so is that stuff that you just keep on top of by doing your day a week kind of research and stuff? yeah yeah very much very much so and it really helps because the thing is every single client I see gets a slightly different protocol if you like everything is tailored I've never done two plans for couples or individuals that are identical it just doesn't happen because we're all individual and we're all different and when I'm working with a client or with a couple and it tends to be couples where I can we'll be looking at everything from family history to medical history to current symptoms to your lifestyle your movement your sleep your stress levels your nutrition any medications you're on and we take all of that into consideration so, you know, we're all snowflakes. That's that's sort of what 
you know, that's part of the kind of functional medicine mantra that we're all we're all snowflakes. We're all individual and unique. And therefore, we all need a slightly unique approach. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, there might be broad brushstrokes that are absolutely, you know, will will be foundational, if you like. But there's, you know, it just depends. You know, for one person, stress might be relieved in a particular way. For someone else, it's it's another area or for one person, you know, someone might be vegan, but they really really hate eating I don't know green leafy veg and then so we have to find our workarounds mm. and that's kind of how it is and because of that then I have to do individual research for each each client yeah so when someone comes to see you for the first time I guess you must just take a huge case history right yeah yeah my timekeeping is shocking <laughs> it's really bad right sorry exes so, <laughs> okay no I just feel like this I'm just here to be insulted <laughs> No different to a normal night. No, no, it's good. Feels good. Anyway, Alison. No, no, no. Um, And you you sit with your clients for hours. Well, for that first session. So if I'm seeing um, couples in particular, normally that first session is two hours. And I'll have given them a really, really in-depth questionnaire to fill in beforehand again looking at all these different areas from what their goals are to what medication they're on what supplements they're currently taking and then they've got checklists in different areas so we look at their digestion we look at their stress profile we look at their energy we look at um, you know for women we look at their menstrual history for men we look at you know what's been going on from a male perspective we look at their food diary their you know their food loves and hates and where they shop because Again, there's no point me telling somebody to buy X, Y, and Z if they're shopping only in somewhere that doesn't stock any of that stuff. Yeah. So again, all of that has to be taken into consideration. Mm, it's so interesting. interesting. Isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Is this too airy-fairy for you, Laura, or do you accept this sort of stuff? No, it's science, mate. Well, it's all science. It is science. Is it? All right. Fine. Yeah. Oh yeah, not airy fairy at all. Well, the, the reason being, I mean, and I, it's it's probably quite important to to think about this. I mean, I work within what's called a functional medicine framework, and that means we view the body as a series of interconnected systems. Okay, so if you think about the National Health Service, what will happen is you'll go and see your GP, who is a general practitioner, and then they may refer you on to, you know, if your hormones are out of whack, you'll see an endocrinologist. Or if if you've got gut issues, you'll see a gastroenterologist or you'll see a gynecologist or whatever it might be. That's all well and good, but no one's looking at the, the broader picture. And what's really important to bear in mind is, for example, what's going on in our gut is going to intricately impact our hormone balance because of the way that we detoxify and metabolize our estrogens and the way we eliminate them. So if your gut isn't working properly, for example, it's quite possible that your estrogen and progesterone balance will be out of whack. Now that's a real problem if we're going for natural fertility, because obviously we need to have that luteal phase quite strong. We need to have a certain amount of progesterone being produced post ovulation. Another one to think about is if you're really, really stressed, for example, um, that's going to throw your thyroid hormone out. Now we know that um, if we think about the egg, for example, it's got thyroid hormone receptors on it. Every single cell in our body has got thyroid receptors on. And the reason for that is the thyroid is like a sort of master surveillance 
machine. And what it's doing is it's constantly assessing the situation and it's it's taking in all sorts of stimuli. And if, for example, you're really hot, it'll take steps to cool you down. If it notices that there is a bacteria or a pathogen that's managed to get its way in, it's going to kickstart your immune system. If you're really stressed, it's going to get you to slow the hell down. So all these systems will impact the next system a bit like a row of dominoes. And unless you're looking at that whole, you're not necessarily going to be able to get to the the nuts and bolts of a situation. Yeah, I think quite often doctors will treat, I mean, you see it with side effects of medications, doctors will, will treat something and that medication has side effects. They then go and treat that side effect. And then before you know it, people are on a shed load of medications yeah. and it could have been something that was that could have been resolved without medication to start with. Mm-hmm. And even if it does need medication, you need to bear in mind, okay, so if I'm going to take that medication, it's going to have certain side effects. Some medications, for example, are going to deplete certain nutrients. So again, going back to the nutrition side of it, if you think about all the food we eat, if you break it down, it's molecules. Mm-hmm. We're made up of molecules, right? Our cells are made up of molecules. And we need to put the right raw ingredients into the body in order for each of our cells to function optimally. Yeah. Um, You know, the pill, the oral contraceptive pill is a really good example of this because it depletes nearly all the important nutrients that we need for fertility from, you know, magnesium, folate, zinc, um, you know, B12, copper, vitamin E, vitamin D, you know, the list goes on and on and on and on. So so why does it do that? In order to work or just because that's what it does no it's a side effect it's a side effect of the way and so why like why isn't this kind of widely known when we or is it always in small print of stuff when we're taking these medicines for you you know it's not in that's not in the small print what we know is we know for example that the pill can be associated with a cardiovascular risk and a thrombotic risk for example that's written down but they don't talk about the depletion of certain nutrients but again i suppose if you think about it the the whole the field of nutritional science has come on in leaps and bounds yeah. in the last 10 years um, there was a really interesting research study that came out quite some time ago now to suggest that it took 17 years from a piece of research to be published for it to make its way into mainstream medical practice. Now, of course, there are going to be the exceptions like with COVID, yeah. but generally that's what you're looking at. And you need some really forward thinking doctors who've also got the time and the resources to actually jump into that research. And that's where people like me can be. We're we're slightly at an advantage because we can be more agile and we can read the research. And for example, you know, I will get on the phone to, you know, a urologist, for example, or an embryologist, and we can have a chat about a particular client case and they'll say, oh, but have you thought about this? Or have you thought about that? Or, oh, this sounds to me like X or Y. And suddenly we're able to have that cross dialogue, which is really, you know, how can your GP do that? You know, they're no. so you know, as you say, like, from, like pooling those resources, you're literally getting the best of everyone's knowledge. And I just think that's so amazing. Mm-hmm. But obviously, invaluable, as we, yeah, exactly. But as we said earlier, like there is no way the NHS can do that. There's no way GPs can can do that is there no I mean functional medicine is coming on in leaps and bounds and certainly in the states it's really really taking off now and over here as well we've got loads more 
um, GPs and doctors who are open to it as a philosophy, if you like. Um, there's I'm a member of something called the Institute for Functional Medicine, and they do a number of big conferences every year. And probably, I mean, I don't know the exact dates, but say about sort of eight years ago, it was predominantly nutritional professionals who'd be going along to these conferences. Now it's about 50-50 and you get medical practitioners there as well. You get psychologists there, you get osteopaths there, you get, you know, you get consultants, you get GPs. So, you know, there are some incredibly forward thinking medical professionals who have the time or maybe because of the circles that they're in, you know, are able to to take this all on board. So I think it's exciting and I do think it's changing. No question about it. Um, And I couldn't do my job without the doctors, without the consultants. Yeah, I'm certainly not anti-conventional medicine. And in fact, one of the first things I'll do with most of my clients is I will get them to sort of hot foot it down to their GPs to get a raft of NHS available tests done. And I want to make sure their GP knows what's going on, because actually then everyone's singing from the same hymn sheet Mm. and we need that joined up thinking. Otherwise, you know, actually anyone, you know, people like me are just pushing ourselves out onto the peripheries and that's not really good for anybody. There's room for everyone, isn't there? There's, I just think that's it's so true. It's not it's not one or other. Like my acupuncturist is also a fully qualified GP, and it was wow. him that when I first went to see him, I was like, I just so thought it was one or the other, and you had to kind of turn your back almost on the medical side of things if you were going to go down the alternative therapy route. Mm. And he was like, No, no, it's not alternative. It's complementary. You know, I want to know: Have you been to the doctor about this? Have you what tests have you had for this? And what happened after this? And I, yeah. I just think it's there's room for everyone. And all. actually, I think only, you know, those practitioners worth their salt will be doing that. That's yeah. safe practice. I mean, we actually have a list. I'm um, governed by there's um, a body called BANT, which is the British Association of Applied Nutrition and Lifestyle Medicine. And, you know, they they are in charge of our code of ethics, if you like. And we have, you know, a very long symptom list of things that we we know immediately we need to um, just refer straight back to their GPs. We've got to be safe, you know, and it could be anything like, you know, really obvious things like blood in stool. It could be unexplained, consistent headaches, for example. There are all sorts of things you know, change in bowel movements, you know, the obvious stuff that we know about. But the last thing that any clients want is to sign up with some, you know, with a practitioner and think they're on this lovely, you know, journey. And actually, we're missing a trick because it's not my job to diagnose. I can support, I don't treat, and I don't diagnose. What I do is I support. Mm. You know, that's the job of the GP and we've all got to stay in our lane, but we've got to be respectful of what's going on out there. Yeah. And keep yeah, and the resp- in the loop. Yeah. Mm. Responsibility is huge as well. When you kind of yeah. like when you're, especially I think in the fertility uh, world, as it were, like people are so vulnerable, aren't they? Yeah. I think right. that lots of people are frightened of being taken advantage of by, again, I'm going to say like alternative therapists. And that's why they, go more down the medical route because we're grown up to know that medical professionals doctors all the rest of it have got like what seven years at university and then this and that and a code of ethics and I think so many people are worried about looking at complementary therapies because they don't want to be taken for a ride and they're desperate you know it's like the bloody 
Dr. Herbs on um, on everywhere. On everywhere, everywhere he is, isn't he? Like, oh yeah, Dr. Herb. What dickhead? Do- Dr. Like, Herb oh, got me pregnant. Yeah. Oh, did he now? <laughs> Dr. Herb, reckon I recommend I go and lick a, you know, unicorn's hoof on the third of every month. Under why not? Eh? I definitely will get pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> People are at such a vulnerable stage in their lives. Yeah. There is nothing more vulnerable than yeah. wanting desperately to have a baby, especially after loss. I think mm. because I you've opened yourself up to everything, that, or you know what can go wrong as well, right? Yeah. And so also, you can't see you can't see a straight path. This is the problem. Mm-hmm. You don't, as far as you, it's like being in a really, really dark forest, and there there is no clear path in front of you, and that's that's. I mean, it's terrifying. I mean, I doubt you rarely see anybody who hasn't started trying yet, right? People are, have been trying for some time. Oh, I'd or... love to. I right? so love it. <laughs> I would make things a lot simpler. But oh. yeah, I imagine everyone has either been trying for a long time, is approaching fertility treatment, has been through loss. Um, yeah, and the vast majority of the people I work with have been through loss. because, And, and that's because I've chosen to sort of go down that path. Um, part yeah predominantly because of my own experiences or their loss is the loss of going through you know x number of cycles or trying for years and yeah. you know it's the loss of a dream isn't it so yeah, yeah. Um, definitely you know and that's you know that's that can be just as as painful mm. I've got a lovely couple actually and in fact they sent me through news that they had a good 12-week scan only this morning oh. and they were on their fifth IVF cycle. She'd never conceived. Never oh, conceived. Wow. And they just remortgaged the house to go to Spain oh, to do it. So, I mean, you know, oh, the pressure was huge. Cool. And again, I, I'll always say to every single client, I mean, I can't guarantee no. that you're going to come out of this process with a baby in your arms. I can't. And it would be unethical to, to say that. But I promise and I do hand on heart guarantee that we will reduce your risk factors and get your yeah. body in the best shape we can. Mm. Um, I think in some ways that's what people need to know is that they're not on their own because I think when you have to like I mean you I know that you'll back this up Laura like when you have to advocate for yourself but you have no and you have more medical knowledge than most because you're a nurse but when you find yourself advocating for yourself but you have no medical knowledge you just need someone that is going to say look obviously no guarantees but I've got you and you it gives be, you some hope doesn't it when someone's definitely. someone's fighting for you as well someone's on Especially the same when they team. know they're shit not know that they are shit but know and the way I'll do it is I'll work alongside that kind of um the time frame that biology has given us it takes three months to produce a batch of sperm spermatogenesis it takes three to four months to mature an egg Mm. so we need to use that time because the conditions that the cells are exposed to at that time is crucial trimester Uh, zero right exactly you've learned (laughs) (laughs) right should we have we got any questions what have you got i haven't got them i don't know what yeah so um some of the gang sent some questions in mm-hmm. and first up was uh foods or supplements to build up the uterine lining is there anything okay. that you can take to help with that all right so uterine lining we're looking at vitamin e 
is really important for the uterine lining. Um, so we're thinking nuts and seeds are really, really good examples. Um, they're probably going to be the best port of call, actually. Um, green leafy vegetables are really good as well. Um, and then you also want to be looking at your essential fatty acids, so particularly your omega-3s. So omega-3 oils, um, if you think about a cell, it's got a membrane around it, which is a lipid membrane, and all your receptors are studded in that cell, a cell membrane. And we need that membrane to be really, really supple. So in order to support good cellular health, and if you think about all those cells in that lining, we want to make sure we've got enough omega-3 oils. So for omega-3 oils, again, nuts and seeds are brilliant. Um, oily fish is good. Salmon. Salmon is good. Ideally wild or organic. Avocados. Yeah, brilliant. Make sure you're getting your fatty acids in. Um, that's really important. So every day think, what am I getting in? That's, you know, what nuts and seeds can I get in? If you like nuts, if you okay. can eat nuts, um, if not, look at seeds, look at other, you know, other sources like avocados, like oily fish. Um, you know, green, again, green leafy vegetables actually have some omega-3s in as well, just not so many. Um, and then you're wanting to look at those vitamin E foods. Mackerel mm -hmm. is oily fish, right? Mackerel's brilliant. So I've got a nice um, acronym here, so which oh, is SMASH. I love an acronym. Okay, so SMASH. Good. Salmon, mackerel, anchovies, oh, sardines no, and herring. You love anchovies. Yeah, and barbecued sardines. I knew you were weird. Salmon. Mackerel. Mackerel. Anchovies. Yeah. Sardines. And herring. Herring. I don't think I've ever Smash. tried herring. Um, someone has just asked, which is probably the same answer or leads on to it. Is there anything in the two week wait that can help support or encourage implantation? Most of the work is done before then. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So I would say in the two week wait, you're wanting to be really careful about your toxins. That's a time really to be careful about your toxins so you don't want to be overloading yourself so anything you can do so you want to be thinking about the you know alcohol and caffeine obviously we're going to take out at that time you want Completely to take out the caffeine absolutely i would okay. take it out entirely oh god the two if the two-week wait wasn't shit enough now you don't want us to drink wine or eat i know i'm you drink really herbal teas Sorry, herbal teas herbal are fine. Teas. Yeah, herbal teas are fine. The problem is there is a there's an associated link between caffeine and first trimester loss. Really? Mm. Yeah. In large amounts. So my feeling is, particularly if you're going through the two-week wait, there is so much investment, financial, emotional, physical that you've put in to get to this stage already. Get yourself yeah. through that two weeks. Yeah, like why, why temporary? Give yourself the best chance possible. Yeah. I didn't know that. But I think people don't, I just think people don't know these things. Like I um during pregnancy didn't drink any caffeine at all. Mm. And oh my gosh, I couldn't believe the difference in my ability to sleep. Yeah. Just insane, absolutely insane. And then I had a coffee and I'd like. Oh my God, I was honestly, I could feel my heartbeat. It was I tell you the thing that yeah. the thing that is difficult is that other people drink coffee, no. go out on the beers or wines, whatever, and still have a bloody baby. And this is I think this is probably why you think I think this is airy fairy bex, because 
it's not that I think it's airy-fairy. I think, why should I bloody have to? Why should I have to? And other people don't have to. Yeah, it's shit, mm. actually. It's shit. really, it is. It's really, really shit. The, the other thing, well, the other thing about nutrition, which I think is really important to bear in mind, is that when couples work with me, and it's really difficult to get good quality studies on a lot of this stuff because generally what's happening is you're not just trying one intervention at a time. You know, we, we do have clear science. And in fact, if you go to the Tommy's website, they've got a really nice calculator for caffeine on there. Okay. Which is a brilliant resource. So you can just put it in, you know, we're talking about, you know, they say that up to 200 milligrams is fine. Mm. So that's what, that's looking at a, a filter coffee. Um, it's looking at two cups of tea it's, I think, one energy drink. Um, it might be, um, is it even one? Co- I think it's one coffee shop coffee is probably in excess of that 200. Right. So, you know, the research is there. You've got to decide what's going to work for you. And it's all about finding the low hanging fruit almost. So what are the things that are going to make the biggest difference for mm. you? If you're somebody who drinks you know, in excess of, say, 14 units a week, say, you're going to want to cut that down. Yeah. If you're someone who has been told that weight is an issue, I mean, well, that's actually red rag to a bull, but, you know, is that going to be the area that you're really going to go after and try and get your, you know, your BMI down because that's what your consultants told you? I mean, I would argue that you've got to be, it's a question about whether you're actually in good health or not. Mm. when we're talking about body size yeah um because the same goes for being underweight as it does for being overweight you know you've got to you've got to have the the energy if you like to allow your body to do what it wants to do but also if you're just on that Alison if Mm -hmm. you are someone who is um a a bigger person Mm -hmm. and they go off your BMI and then you go and lose weight in a really unhealthy way surely that's absolutely yeah terrible body up more than actually being overweight would have done in the first place. Massively. And one of the reasons for that is all these toxins that we talk about, uh, what's called lipophilic, which means that they are fat loving and they get sequestered in our fat tissue. So that means that if you go on a crash diet, what's actually going to happen is you suddenly lose that weight. You're going to flood your body with all of these toxins again. And that's going to have far worse ramifications. So if I'm working with clients who want to lose weight, I really don't want them losing more than, you know, I, I want them to go really slowly. Yeah. Presumably yeah. you're going to deplete your nutrients as well if you're yeah, doing a crash absolutely. diet. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's when it comes down to, you know, you you both are familiar with my sort of perfect plate, as I call uh-huh. it, you know, which is sort of half a, a half a plate of vegetables with every lunch and supper. And if you can sneak some into breakfast, so much the better. And then you've got a palm size or, you know, a quarter of a plate of protein. And then you've got another quarter, which is going to be your whole grains. If you can do that, you're going to lose weight. You will lose weight. You'll lose weight, but you're actually replacing your, the less nutrient dense foods with more nutrient dense foods. So you're going to be giving your body what it needs mm. while losing away the weight in a really nice, yeah. gentle way. And I have lots of clients who've been on to Weight Watchers and, you know, Slimming World, and they've been on keto diets and this, that, and the other. And you know, it all goes back on again. 
Yeah. Yeah. I I did the London Marathon a few years ago mm-hmm. and that was the first time I ever really took my diet seriously and in the training process I could not believe how much better I felt from cutting out the junk cutting out the the um you know refined carbs and the sugars and all that just actually eating a lot of raw foods and just eating really really well I ate so much and felt so good but it's mad because I think you just convenient I think convenience is a massive massive um reason that people don't eat properly or don't eat as well as they could do because it's it's not very you know it's not quick but if you look at making your meals up beforehand which is entirely possible then you can do it. Just takes a bit of extra effort. I don't think you need to. You you don't need to cut everything out. No. Again, I would not. I'm certainly not someone who would advocate saying no alcohol while you're trying to conceive. How do you feel about red wine? I love red wine, but you know what I say to my. Dark chocolate. There's nothing wrong with dark chocolate. Have as much dark chocolate as you want. I don't like dark chocolate. It's absolutely typical. One kind that you like. It's, yeah, you want that. You want the dark chocolate to be seventy percent plus, and what you want to do is you want to have it alongside red wine, a protein source. <laughs> no, not wine. I mean, I do occasionally. Of course, I do. You do, but you're not trying to conceive. So do as I say and not as I do, right? Exactly. Okay. No, occasionally I will. I mean, we all do occasionally, but you know. So if you're going to have dark chocolate, have it with a couple of nuts. Now, the reason for that is the protein in the nuts takes longer to break down and what's going to happen is you're going to have less of a blood sugar spike when you have that chocolate Mm -hmm. so what you want to do is you want to combat that really big spike in glucose that you're going to get in your bloodstream by having some protein with it sorry we've just had a question on chocolate yeah mention of chocolate should you be worried about the caffeine in it oh good question great question yeah, yeah Charlotte, well, Charlotte in the bath. Great question from the bath, Charlotte. <laughs> My feeling is um, what you've got with with chocolate, dark chocolate, you've got antioxidants in the cacao. So that's <laughs> okay. Yeah. Then I was like, that doesn't sound good. <laughs> no, no, no. That's a good thing. You want your antioxidants there. <laughs> a little bit. We're not talking about having a family size bar. We're talking about maybe having a couple, you know, if you have a couple of squares, for example, yeah. it's going to be absolutely fine. Similarly, with a glass of wine, what I say to my clients is um, if you're going to have red wine, buy the most expensive bottle you can, mm-hmm. drink it and enjoy it, but drink it mindfully and don't have it every night, you yeah. know, have it and have it with a meal as well. Because mm-hmm. again, if you're having it with a meal, you're going to slow down that release of alcohol. But so chocolate and nuts doesn't count as the meal. Nah, no, not, not really, no. <laughs> no. Sorry, I'm being silly now. So last question then, Alison, someone who can't be here tonight, uh, she hasn't died or anything. <laughs> that sounded bad, didn't it? I don't think you needed to say that. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so... One of the girls asked, what is the one thing you consistently recommend? The one piece of advice that you would give to someone, what would it be? I think you've probably already said it. Are we talking food-wise? Yeah. Oh, or, or not, just generally. General life. Don't, don't not, unless, not like a don't eat yellow snow or anything. <laughs> Make it if it's just relevant. 
Okay, well, I'm going to give you two. I'll give you a, a food and a non-food. Okay, so non-food prioritise sleep. Okay. Oh, interesting. Okay. So one of the reasons for this is, I mean, we know it's the time that our body rests and repairs. Okay. Melatonin is our sleepy hormone. It is the, it is also acts as an antioxidant and it's the antioxidant that your ovaries absolutely love. So if you are not getting enough sleep, if you're on your phone late at night, you're not going to be producing the melatonin. That's going to cause problems from a... You're up shagging all night. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. (laughs) But then also you've got the the anti-inflammatory, you know, you you get into quite an inflammatory, inflamed state if you're not getting enough sleep. So sleep is super, super important. From a food perspective... It's either going to be eat the rainbow or follow a Mediterranean diet. Oh, I love a Mediterranean diet. Yeah. Which basically is eating the rainbow, isn't it? I mean, yeah, I guess the it two... is. It's a plant-based diet, yeah. but it's a plant-focused diet, but you've got good quality meat or sorry, good quality protein mm. in every single meal. And that can be anim- uh, that can be plant protein. Yeah. Wonderful. Oh inspired me. This whole thing has yeah. inspired me really well now. Yeah. And sleep well. Yeah. Speaking of which, it's probably nearly bedtime, is yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, it's late. That's yeah. um, uh, that's going to be super helpful for lots of people. I hope you guys that are listening live have enjoyed it. Um, yeah, thank so. you so much, Alison. We love having you as part. And of- thank you. Yeah, we we absolutely love having you as part of our courses. And also, um, thank you so much for being the first um expert to come and chat on our Warrior Hub. So our membership area. Nice. Oh, thank you for having me. No, it's been it's been wonderful. That's a bit worrying. But Laura Laura hasn't sworn nearly as much as she usually does. So, no, fucking haven't. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, thank you so much much for sharing all your uh, knowledge. It's so lovely that you had. Like, it's amazing to talk to you. I find this every time I talk to you because you know so much about so much and it all comes so naturally to you. Because yeah. when we were like, oh, we're going to ask you about this, you were like, yeah, that's fine. Undaunted. I'm sure all of your, all your people do the same. It's only because, I mean, this is what I do. So, yeah, yeah thank you. Fantastic. All right. Well, have a lovely rest of evening. And uh, thank you so much for everyone else that joined us as well. And we will catch up with you all soon. Yeah. Thank you very much. See you later, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. And please, please, when you have a second, rate us, review us and share us. And let's get this taboo smashed. See you next week.